Good morning, everybody. Um, I'm really excited today because I have a word of God to share um, that, you know, previously I was told that I would be scheduled to preach for the third service um, quite a while ago. And uh, as the weeks was running by, I was like, I'm totally at loss to what to share uh, for this sermon. And I was just reading the Bible, meditating, pondering, and I didn't have any inspiration of what to share uh, for today. Um, and then one of those random mornings, I was feeding my little son, Jedediah, I was feeding him porridge, and that was like eight in the morning, and I'm half asleep. And as I was feeding him, suddenly the Word of God came to me, and suddenly I had the whole uh, sermon all in my head, and I was like, praise God, praise God for His providence. He has given me the Word to share for today. And so because of that, I'm really excited to bring the Word to you this morning. And so the topic of my sermon today is called Boldness to Witness. Right. The topic of my sermon is boldness to witness. Um, I know a lot of us, when we hear the word witnessing, uh, it's, it's sort of, um, most of us, we're not very comfortable with it. We're not very, it's not one of our strengths, and it's something that we don't talk much about. Um, but I just had this little funny clip, uh, a little portion of what people think witnessing is, right? There's so many perceptions of what witnessing is. And one of the things that, you know, I, as I served the net and I saw that, you know, what people think witnessing. So what my friends think I'm doing when I said I'm witnessing is they have this image that I'm like preaching to like a big crowd about Jesus Christ. But what do you think the world thinks we're doing when we're witnessing? Some people think that witnessing is about, you know, wearing hippie clothes, standing in the middle of the street saying, you know, preaching doom, gloom, you know, if you don't believe in Jesus, um, bad things will happen to you. So some people think witnessing is like that, right? But what it feels like we're doing, we're witnessing. Some of us, witnessing is like, wow, jumping off a cliff. It requires a lot of faith and it requires a lot of boldness and it's really scary for some of us. And, you know, but what really is witnessing? Actually, to me, witnessing is sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. The kingdom of God is at hand in love. That is what witnessing is all about. And um, Jesus Christ, in fact, you know, he did say that, you know, as disciples of Christ, we are supposed to be witnesses. We are supposed to proclaim, proclaim about him to everybody. In this modern world today, I mean, if we were to share it, if, if Jesus was alive in this modern world today, he will say, let's make it viral. You know, let's tweet it, let's Facebook it, share about the goodness of, of the kingdom of God to everybody. And in uh, Matthew 10, this is where we are going to be exploring today. So maybe I can get you all to turn to Matthew 10. Let's open our Bibles. Let's turn to Matthew 10. So what is the context of Matthew 10? Um, I'll give you a little bit of context. So Jesus is saying, be bold to witness. Um, but in this whole Matthew 10, what is the context of him telling us that we need to be bold witnesses? So first of all, it starts off with verse 1 to 15. Jesus is actually sending out his disciples. He sends out the 12 disciples, and he says, you know, go. Uh, this is how you should go. When you go, uh, just proclaim. Go to the house. Bring your peace with it. And he explains how we should go out, right, to proclaim the good news of Jesus. And then in verse 16 to 25, it's where it gets really serious. He starts to tell you, you know what? 
as I send you, is like sending you like sheep among wolves, right? It's not going to be easy. There's going to be persecution. And it's all about, you know, all the supposedly bad news. You know, like you're going to be persecuted by the government. You'll be persecuted by the religious authorities. You'll be even persecuted by your family members. And he goes on and on and on. It seems like, wow, persecution when you become followers of Jesus. And then... In the midst of telling us all these supposedly bad news about persecution, he says, but you know what? Be bold witness. Witness boldly. Verse 26 to 32, this is where I will be uh, sharing about, about what does it mean to be bold in witnessing. And finally, he says in verse 33 to 42, he talks about the costs of following Jesus, and, and, and he even talks about the rewards. Now, I'm not going to talk about the, the cost and all that because you can catch that in Pastor Lichu's sermon a few weeks ago where she tells you the cost of following Jesus, you know. And then, of course, Pastor John today morning and yesterday evening, he shared about, you know, the persecution and how should we go out when we proclaim the Jesus. And, you know, even as we talk about proclaiming, I think last week Pastor Tabitha shared a great sermon about how we need to proclaim that the kingdom of God is here. We need to proclaim the goodness of God. So, you know, if you want to follow Jesus, we need to be prepared. So let us look at Matthew 10, verse 26 to 32. We're going to examine it in, in, in totality, and we're going to look at it together. So everybody's at Matthew 10, 26 to 32. Okay, I'm going to put it on the slides for those of you who don't have a Bible, but I encourage you, if you have a Bible, to actually um, read it from your Bible directly, okay? So for these, are for the people that don't have the Bible, maybe we can read this together. Are we, are we awake? Can we read this together with, with energy and passion? Okay, one, two, three. So, do not be afraid of them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my father in heaven. Thank you, Jesus. May you bless the reading of your word. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus says in verse 27, What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. He's saying, have boldness to witness. Why can we have boldness to witness? Because first, he says, don't be afraid. Because the truth always prevails. The truth prevails. And he says, why should we have boldness to witness? Why shouldn't we be afraid? Because we have temporal bodies. And finally, he says, why should we have boldness to witness? Why shouldn't we be afraid to proclaim? Because we can trust in the Father. So we start off with the first point, which is the truth prevails. It says here, do not be afraid of them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden 
that will not be made known. In other words, Jesus is saying, you know, the truth will always come out at the end of the day. You know, for the longest time, you know, people always have this thing about the Bible. You know, they say, the Word of God, can it be trusted? The Word of God, you know, people have all sorts of criticism about the Bible that we have. But I tell you, the Bible is the truth of God that will always prevail, okay? In, in Isaiah, it actually says, in Isaiah verse 48, it says, um, the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God stands forever. Do you know that we all hold the word of truth, the truth of God in our hands, the Bible? It is something that prevails, that stands forever. And a lot of us, we think, we're not sure, you know, we, we hear all these people that talk about, oh, your Bible has been corrupted, your Bible changed here and there, your Bible is so old, can you even believe what it says? It's such an ancient uh, um, manuscript, right? Can we even believe in it? But Jesus is saying, the Word of God stands forever. So if there's any of you who feel sometimes like, you know, I don't really want to share my faith about being a Christian because, you know, people will make fun about me believing in the Bible. I just want to assure you that whatever you feel at this point of time is irrelevant because at the end of the day, as much as anybody can say about the Bible, the Bible has not been able to, uh, the Bible has always stand true. There are so many people who write things and criticize the Bible all over the websites. You can Google anything about the Bible and you'll find tons and tons of articles, people slagging the Bible. But till this very day, there's no concrete evidence of people that is able to totally write off the Bible. And that's why we worship Jesus until this day. Because there is nobody that is able to disprove the Bible until this very day. In fact, as the more and more civilizations, um, they, they start to do research, you know, people start to uh, study the Bible even more, they begin to realize there is more and more evidence that supports the, the authenticity of the Bible. And this is an example that I have. Um, so people were comparing classical old literature with the Bible. Um, in this case, it's the New Testament. And they found that they compared it with very famous uh, writers, you know. So some of you may have heard of Homer, Plato, Caesar. We've heard of all these famous philosophers. And when they actually compared these famous classical writers together with the New Testament, a portion of the Bible, they found that actually um, there are so many copies of the Bible that is circulating. And, and the most copies that they have of one of the book is Homer. They only have 643 copies. And, and the Bible has like almost 25,000 copies. And how many of you here, you know, you see Caesar, they only have 10 copies that talks about Julius Caesar. But all of us, when you say, oh, do you believe Julius Caesar exists? You all don't have a problem believing Julius Caesar, right? But we said, Jesus walked on this earth. Then you'll be like, mm, I'm not so sure whether Jesus walked on this earth. There are 25,000 over copies of the New Testaments that talks about Jesus. And it's not just enough to have so many copies. Um, the accuracy of the copies that we find is also important. Um, here I have written uh, the accuracy. accuracy. Accuracy just means uh, how similar these, these each um, each copy is with each other. So they found that the book of Homer is like 95% accuracy, meaning in all the 600 old copies, they are about 95% similar. But in the New Testament, 
they found that it was 99.5% similar. I mean, this is already a miracle of God. Do you know at that time, we're talking about really, really old manuscripts. We're talking about old literature. And there was obviously no printing that time, right? It's no photocopying machine. There was everything was handwritten. Right now, if I ask you all to write something, you know, everybody write and copy something, sure, got mistakes one. But can you see, it is really a miracle of God that at least the 25,000 copies which they found all over the world, I mean, they just didn't find it in one place. They found it in Syria, they found it in Israel, they found it in all states and everywhere. And these 25,000 copies have a 99.5% similarity. If that is not a miracle of God, I don't know what is, okay? And not just that, you know, there are tons of evidence that proves the Bible is real. So this is what we have called a pilot stone, um, and they did some carbon dating, and they found that it was dated around 26 to 36 AD, okay? And it bears on the, in Latin words, it says, Pontius Pilate, prefect of Judea, dedicated to the people of Caesarea in honor of Tiberius. Now, why is this so amazing? Why is this stone so, so important? Um, for the longest time, people said Pontius Pilate doesn't exist. So until 1940-something, I think they found this plaque really recently, about 1940s, people said Pontius Pilate doesn't exist. You know, there's no proof of it. Uh, you know, we all know who Pontius Pilate is, right? He's the guy that is responsible for crucifying Jesus. And everybody said no such thing until they found this plaque until they found this plague. And you know, what is even more amazing about it, it doesn't just talk about Pontius Pilate, it even says he's dedicated in honor of Tiberius. And if you will read the Bible carefully, at the time of crucifixion, the emperor Tiberius was actually reigning at that time. So even the small details corroborate the Bible. And sometimes we look at the Bible and we say, hey, the Bible's so thick, uh, all this kind of information that I don't even, it's not even significant to me, all these minute, minute details that has nothing to do with me. Do you know these minor, minor details actually point the authenticity of the Bible? Because these people that write the Bible, they describe it to such detail, to something as small as this, that they can actually um, tell you what was happening during that time. And it's beginning to corroborate with, with what we begin to find in archaeology. You know, how amazing the Bible is. And of course, there is this other thing that they found, which are silver amulets. And this, this archaeology find is even, it's really exciting because it's, it's, 700, it's dated 750 before Christ. That means this is even before Christ came. This is all, all archaeology find. And, you know, a lot of us say, you know, Jesus, uh, Christianity only started when Jesus came. Not true. Jesus, you know, the Bible has been in existence for many thousand years, and this is 750 BC, even before uh, Buddha came into the picture, right? So Christianity has not started just only when Jesus came. Christianity has started from the very beginning. And, you know, the silver amulets, because it's old, so a big portion of it was destroyed. Um, but when the archaeologists uh, went and looked through it, and they found there was only a small section that was actually preserved. And you know what is the section? The section is actually Numbers 6, verse 24 to 26. How many of you know what is Numbers 6, 24 to 26? It's the Aaronic blessings. You know, we, we've been reading all this, um, you know, I think a few years ago, we were like declaring this to one another. And you know, geez, God really has a sense of humor. You know, everything got destroyed by obviously time and, and weather and everything. 
but he preserved this portion of Scripture to remind us of his blessings. Maybe I can get you all to read this together. One, two, three. Amen. Isn't our God amazing? I mean, people say that the Bible is not real, but there are so many evidence if you bother to really check it out. And not just that, quite recently, they found the Dead Sea Scrolls, okay? And the Dead Sea Scrolls, they were found in a cave in Qumran. And I actually went to Israel and I actually visited the place. And, you know, the place is really, like, really boring. It's just all sand and just really desert area, okay? It's really boring. But what happened is uh, some Bedouin shepherds that were wandering around there, they actually accidentally um, came across the caves. And they found these alabaster jars that, that, that hosted all these Dead Sea Scrolls. And some of them were preserved. There were thousands and thousands of copies that they found. And, but they found nearly almost every book of the Old, of the Old Testament in, the, in these Dead Sea Scrolls. Um, and what is exciting is that the Isaiah Scroll, what the complete Isaiah Scroll, fully intact, was actually found. Okay, and why is this amazing? I'll tell you why it's significant. Because for the longest time, the Jewish people have been, they have their thing called the Torah. The Jewish people, for the longest time, they've been using uh, the Torah, which is similar to our Old Testament. And the earliest uh, documents that they have is from the Masoretic text. I know it sounds very long, but don't worry, it's just call it the MT. The Masoretic text was the earliest document that they have, which, and it's like 980. So that's the oldest document that they have. And till this very day, the Jewish people use the Masoretic text as their Torah, right? But the Dead Sea Scrolls, the Dead Sea Scrolls, the book of Isaiah was dated 100 BC. And there is a thousand years of difference between what they had and what was found quite recently. And you know, it's amazing, right? They found, they managed to find, oh, now we found an even older one, uh, another older uh, document. And when they, they studied it, they found that the Dead Sea Scrolls and the Masoretic text was about 95% identical, similar. And all the 5% changes is just variants like uh, spelling error or a little bit extra space or something like that. But 95% of, of the, the two documents that are different in 1,000 years is similar. It is really, this just shows you that, you know, that when the scribes copied, a lot of people say, you know, you cannot believe the Bible because they write and then the next person write and the next person write. Can you believe or not? But this is proof telling you a thousand years has passed and they have faithfully and they have meticulously copied the documents and it is the same from a thousand years ago. If that is not a miracle, I don't know what is. And truly, I really believe the Word of God is really true. And you know, when Jesus says, proclaim and be a witness, He's telling you to proclaim something that is true. You know, at the end of the day, people may laugh at you, you know, when you, when you witness, when you talk about Jesus, they're like, oh yeah, you believe in Jesus. Ah. Whatever they want to say, at the end of the day, the truth will come out. If you stand for the truth, you will be vindicated. You will be vindicated at the end of the day because the truth always 
prevails. And this, I, I'm laying out with you like facts, facts that we see of this day. There's so many other evidence, but of course, I'm not going to bore you and, and give you a lesson of history, but I just want to show you a snippet of how the Word of God truly prevails. And that's why Jesus says, don't be afraid to boldly witness for me because you are holding the truth of God that has transcended years and years, almost thousand years, many, many years. This word of God is still true. You hold the word of God in your hand. I don't know when you hold this word of God, how precious it is to you. This word of God has stood against time. No matter what anyone says about it, it's still there. People can't deny it. People can write all kinds of things about it, but the Word of God still stands. And the, that is why Jesus says, you know, be a witness. Do not be afraid to witness. Another point, why should we have boldness to witness? Because we have temporal bodies. In verse 28, it says, do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body. Wow, this is really hard teaching, right? He's saying like, you know, don't worry, you know, you don't be afraid because even though they kill your body, don't worry, your soul is with me, right? This is hard teaching. But you know that a lot of us sit here, Malaysians, you know, when we talk about persecution, we talk like, yo, today no aircon, I feel so persecuted. Um, my cell members are very, very susah, I always don't want to come for Coffee Connect, oh, I feel persecuted. Little, little things, then we feel persecuted. If this preacher preached too long and my lunch is late, I feel so persecuted. And that's Malaysian's persecution. But, you know, we laugh about it, but today, as we speak, all over the world, research has been done. It shows that there are at least 322 Christians martyred every day. This statistics is not like, it's not like a year. This is daily. 214 churches are destroyed daily. 772 forms of violence are reported daily. You know, sometimes, you know, we hear, oh, this church got bombed, oh, that happened. Sometimes it happens so often to the point that we are almost quite hardened in our heart. We're like, oh yeah, okay, la, another bomb. La, you know, very far away, not near Malaysia, so it's okay. And sometimes we forget that when the Word of God says there is persecution, there will be persecution. The question is, are we prepared? Sometimes we're so fixated with our daily problems, you know, that we forget the real world that is out there. Persecution is real. As Jesus said, Many thousand years ago, he says, if you are my follower, there will be persecution. And it is still happening today. Closer to home, just uh, about a month ago, um, my husband and I, uh, we were in a baptism. And my husband baptized about 50 plus people. Wow, baptizing 50 plus people is painful for the back, okay? Like 50 times, like, do you receive Jesus? 50 times. Wow, that was really tiring. But, you know, it was such a wonderful, um, such an emotional and wonderful baptism. Um, I have pictures of the people being baptized. Why do I say it's such a wonderful, emotional time? Because there were really old people 
being baptized, as well as they had really young people being baptized. And some of them were stroke patients, some of them were in wheelchairs, but you know what? It didn't stop their, their passion and says, you know, I want to be water baptized because water baptism is a public declaration of my faith in the Lord Jesus, and I will come. Even if I'm in a wheelchair, even if I'm a stroke, I will go down the waters to be baptized. And I saw old men weeping as they went down the water. And family members crying too because finally their loved ones have accepted Jesus and they're being baptized and they're declaring their faith publicly. And you know, life is really unpredictable. It really is. And, and just recently, just within these few weeks, my husband has been praying and visiting people in hospitals. Um, recently, he was praying for a man just before his operation and he was going, he's about 30-something, and he was going to go through an operation that might leave him blind for the rest of his life, you know. And when we prayed for this man, how do you pray for someone? They might be blind after this operation. And we didn't just pray for this man. After that, we then go and visit. My husband went and visit another lady, uh, a 17-year-old girl who had stage 4 cancer. And even as my husband prayed for the family, we're crying because we don't know how to pray. How do you pray for such horrible news? Stage 4 cancer, 17 years old. And then recently, we had to pray for a family whose baby was born prematurely, about a month. The baby has to be in ICU for almost a month. You know, you see the tubes and the baby and all that. How painful it is. And that's where we remember our bodies are so frail. We can get sick. And, you know, for some of us, praise God if you're healthy and you're here today. But I want to remind you that sometimes our body wears down and our bodies perish. And what hope do we have? The only hope we have is to know that even though your body may perish, but your soul lives forever. Amen? Your soul lives forever. And just very recently, I went for a funeral. Uh, it's a, a friend of my dad's. And this, this man is really outstanding upstanding in, in society. He does a lot of charity work. Maybe some of you even know him. Um, and a, when he had his funeral, his funeral hall was the size of this. There were so many people who attended because they really want to pay their respect to this man. But, you know, he's really big in life. But when I went to pay my last respect, I saw a frail body at the end of the day in a small box. And that's unfortunately the truth. No matter how great, how big our legacy is, at the end of the day, we all are frail. We are all frail. And there will come a day all of us will know that we either meet our maker, right? All of us here, every one of us will eventually meet our maker. And, I, and I'm just asking God, I'm like, God, our bodies are so frail, you know, and there's our, our bodies you know, can just give up on us. We never know when, right? Praise God, they were still healthy. But for some of us, our bodies just give up. What does it mean? And the Lord told me, do not be overly concerned about your bodies. And that's why he says, you know what? Your soul is eternal. He's telling you, do not be afraid of those that will persecute you, uh, destroy your body, whatever people can do, but they cannot touch your soul. And that's why he says, don't be just fixated about your body. But remember, you have a soul that lives forever. So you may live 100 years on this earth, but where does your soul go after? And it's very important for us to live with eternity in our minds. Live not for the moment, 
but live for the eternal. And, you know, and there's this saying, you know, it says, what you believe about eternity determines how you live today. If you are just so fixated about today, you know, what am I going to wear, what my body, you know, you will never have the courage to live beyond the purposes that God has given to you. You will never have the courage to boldly witness because you'll be wondering, Ayo, what happened after I witnessed already, then this happened to me, this, this, this. But God is saying, you only have a temporal bodies. So don't be too worried about it, but give your life to something eternal, something with purpose. The Bible says that each one of us will have to give an account of ourselves to God. Every single thing you say, you do, how you live your time that God has given to you, you will be accountable to God. The question is, are you ready to meet your maker? Jesus says as disciples of Christ, you need to proclaim. You need to proclaim the goodness of Christ. You need to proclaim the kingdom of God. That is your purpose. Go and make disciples over all nations. Have we been doing that? Have we been proclaiming the goodness of Jesus to the people around us? That is our purpose in life. And finally, boldness to witness. Because we can trust in the Father. We can be bold to witness because we can trust this Father of ours. Our Father is good. There is not an inch of evil in Him. You know, maybe our earthly fathers may fail us or whatever, but the Father in heaven is perfect. He is good. He's compassionate, slow in anger, and He is amazing. And that's why we can trust the Father. You know, it says here, it's so beautiful, the scripture. He says, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your Father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than sparrows. Um, you know, look at your loved one right now. Some of them, look at their hair. Can you count how many hair they have? No matter how much you love your loved ones, you don't know how much hair they have, right? Some of you have more hair than others. Some of you have, uh, you know, not so much hair. The truth is, nobody, no matter how much you love that person, can you tell how much hair they have on their head? But God says, I know everything about the creation because I created you. I love you. I know everything that's going to be happening in life. I have a plan, a good plan for each of you, and I care for you. And so the Father God says, I care for each one of you. I know the number of hairs that each one of you have. And you know, he uses the sparrows. You know, uh, sparrows are such dismissible creatures. They're like small and, you know, they're just there, right? They're so insignificant. And yet, he says, the Father even cares for the sparrows. What more you? Do you know if you really study the human body, you know, your genetics and all that, the human body is just a miracle of God. It cannot just be created, you know. It, the human body, the way it functions, the way it's so seamless in all the organs, how it works with one another, it's really seamless. That, you know, genetics, if just one little chromosome is wrong, the whole body goes, uh, problems, you know, there are problems that, that come. And God creates each one of you with such care. And, you know, Jesus, um, you know, in the Romans 8 verse 32, that's why it says, He who did not spare his own son, which is Jesus Christ, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, give us 
all things. This is God's promise to us. If he did not spare his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to be given up, to be crucified on the cross, how will he not also give us all things? I know for some people, they say all things are does it mean I'm going to get like all earthly, well, I'm going to get more wealth and all that thing? Remember, God is talking about not the temporal. He's talking about eternity. He's talking about your eternal purpose. He will give you all things so that you can fulfill the eternal purposes in your life. You know, witnessing for God is not just about talking about Jesus, but is about being an ambassador of Christ in your action, in your deeds. We witness to the world what Christ is like, the way we live. You know, sometimes I hear really sad things. People say, I don't want to be a Christian because you see that Christian, I, I don't want to be like them. I don't want to be Christian. Sometimes we are the representation of Christ to people that will never have the chance to hear the gospel. And my question to you is, do you know your eternal purpose? Have you been living for the eternal? And you do not have to be afraid to boldly claim, to boldly proclaim the goodness of Jesus Christ because your Father in God cares for you. You don't have to worry about, being, about this persecution, all these things. Don't worry because your body is temporal. Worry about your eternal value. And Jesus says, if you want to be my disciple, you need to be a witness. It is part of discipleship. A lot of us think witnessing is like, okay, we do all the good things. Witnessing is just a part, a point B. We only do it if we feel like it and only if the opportunity comes. But Jesus is saying, be bold to witness because that is part of being a complete disciple of mine. And finally, Jesus ends with warning. And he also ends with, with encouragement, you know. He, he answers with a promise and a warning. And he says this, Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. This is a promise as well it is a warning. For a lot of us, when we say, oh, you know, uh, I don't deny Jesus, lah, but I'm just very quiet about my faith. I just don't really want the whole office to know that I am a Christian. I just don't really want to know all my friends to think that I'm this Jesus lover. So, so you know, I, I don't deny Jesus, but neither do I want to speak about Him. Neither do I want to talk about Him. Neither do I want anyone to know that I am a follower of Jesus. But the word of God is very clear here. Your faith. A lot of us say, you know, my faith is personal. It's between me and God. But the Bible is very clear. He says, whoever acknowledges me before others. Your faith has to be public. You need to confess Jesus, not only with your mouth, but in your actions, in your deeds. And by keeping quiet, and silent about your faith, you are on the same boat as those who may be in a not-so-nice way almost disowning our Lord. When you keep quiet about your faith, 
it's as good as saying, I don't want to be associated with Jesus because for whatever reason, I'm fearful of persecution. I, I'm fearful of what people think about me. I might lose that promotion because, you know, I, people might think I, I'm too holy or too, too Christian-y. And, and Jesus is saying, you know what? You need to acknowledge me before others. That is the Word of God. A disciple of Christ cannot be called a disciple of Christ if he keeps his faith silent or if he is unwilling to associate with Jesus. So even as we end here, what are the three things that Jesus says? Do not be afraid. Be bold to witness. Why? Be bold to witness. Do not be afraid because the truth always prevails. Whatever you talk about Jesus, people may laugh about it, but you know what? At the end of the day, the truth prevails and nobody knows when this judgment day comes. Nobody knows when Jesus will come back again. It can happen anytime. And you know what? The truth will prevail. Be bold to witness because what you are witnessing, what you are proclaiming to the world is true and it will prevail and you will be vindicated one day. And you know what? We can have bones to witness because even if they persecute us, our bodies are temporary. Our bodies will perish anyway. But our souls are eternal. You are accountable to the Father. You are not accountable to your family members. That's why, you know, it goes on in the passage to say that, you know, not only will you be killed, but your family members may come up and they'll go against you. You must deny all those things because you know what? At the end of the day, your family members won't be with you in the heaven. When you die, it's you alone. You are accountable to the Lord alone. You don't bring your wife along. You don't bring your children along. Naked you come, naked you leave And that's the truth But some of us just don't want to think about it Let's just live life and hope it goes well But Jesus is saying, the Word of God says You need to proclaim And you can proclaim because you can trust in this Father The Father that sent His only Son Jesus Christ on that cross To take every sin So that we can have a reconciliation with the Father People say that Jesus Christ came to bring peace with one another. Yes, that is true. But Jesus Christ ultimately came to bring peace with us and the Father. And that's why it doesn't matter even if you have been persecuted for your faith by your family members, by loved ones, by colleagues. Rise above it and proclaim with boldness because in the Word of God, Jesus says, proclaim and acknowledge me before others. Not just you and God, but before others. And I know this is hard. Sometimes, you know, remember I started off, I say when we, we witness, it feels like, wow, we're jumping off a cliff. It's so scary to talk about faith. You know, in family gatherings, we can talk about everything under the sun. But when we talk about our faith, we're a bit quiet about it. You know, it's a little awkward. So we don't want to shake the boat and everything. We just shy away from proclaiming the kingdom of God. And everyone needs to know, we live in a world where the bodies are perishing. People are dying, people are getting sick, people are going through all kinds of problems. We need to bring the good news. The good news, the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus says, I bring the kingdom of God is at hand. And everywhere He went, there were miracles, there were healing, that, you know, there was such great joy and peace wherever Jesus went. But Jesus is not presently here on earth today. And that's why He said, I brought all my disciples, all of you are my disciples, go out and spread the goodness of Jesus to each and every one of the world because the world needs to hear the good news that I have come to bring. The world needs to know 
that bodies are perishing, but it is okay because your soul is eternal and at the end of the day, I am there and I will prepare a house and a room for you, a mansion for you. So all of us, we have that responsibility. Have the boldness to witness. And even as I invite Pastor Chu to come, I want us all to search our hearts. Have you been embarrassed to talk about your faith? Have you shied away? Have you forgot to share such good news to your friends? Amen.